Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is a Lip Media podcast. Beyonce sits late, Shante, you stay. You say that's fishy, well I say he's dishy. We say that's fierce, so sing all my queers. Don't go nowhere, just prick up your ears. The word of the gay. Welcome to Word of the Gay, where we aim to dissect common words in the queer lexicon with regard to their history, contemporary usage in the LGBT plus community, and in pop culture at large. I'm one of your hosts, Lenny. And I'm Brendy. Hey, Brendy. <laughs> Darling, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or really wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow the show at Word of the Gay Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And this week's Word of the Gay is fetish, which is very exciting, Lenny, because last week I was actually at Cocktails with a few of the boys. (laughs) We were sitting around having espresso martinis and we're actually talking about fetishes. We're all kind of listing like what we thought our fetishes might be. And my poor friend James was just like, I don't think I have a fetish. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you might have something. And he's just like, "Mm, I don't know, feet. We're like, really? James, really? And he's like, all right, well, how about just hairy old men? We're like, also, James, not your type either. So (laughs) I think he thought he was on the prices right and he just had to say something. But anyway, maybe he'll learn something tonight. Yeah, true. Yeah, undiscovered, untapped fetish. (laughs) Go, yeah, go hunting for a fetish. Oh, back in the 70s, he was quite the teen heartthrob. Yeah, who'd have thought he turned out to be such a weirdo? What are you talking about? You know, his bizarre personal life. Those weird things they say he does down at the aquarium. Why, I heard... Oh, Homer, that's just an urban legend. People don't do that type of thing with fish. Troy McClure is a... So, the original definition of a fetish was an object believed to have supernatural powers, or in particular, a man-made object that has a power over others. Which I've actually never heard of, and we'll talk about it a bit in history. History with Lenny. (laughs) But we're going to be focusing on the modern definition, which is the sexual or erotic fetishism, which is the sexual fixation on a non-living object, non-genital body part, or even secretion. Oh, lovely. Yeah, delightful. (laughs) Now, the object of interest is actually called the fetish, whereas the individual who enjoys the fetish is known as a fetishist. There's going to be a lot of difficult words tonight. There's going to be so many incorrectly (laughs) pronounced words. 
minutes. Yeah. But we're going to try. Well, that word is actually the first of many mispronunciations for the night, I think. It's actually a <laughs> fetishist. Oh, there we go. But I'm going to get things wrong too, so feel free to correct me. Yeah. <laughs> the which more is you different know. to sexual arousal from a particular body part, which is technically called partialism. It is. Um, it's a more recent definition. We're still going to discuss arousal of body parts in the show. Like but toes, feet, the yeah. occasional shoulder. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little the setup here is very much like a high school prom, with a bunch of guys and girls mingling on the dance floor, waiting to approach each other. You see it in movies, you see it in commercials. Right, it's everywhere. I don't think there's many people who haven't had some kind of contact with, with someone who enjoys feet. I'm sitting here with the founder of Foot Night International, Steve. I have to say, this is the So first the word fetish derives from the French fetiche. Don't know if that's right. <laughs> I think it's even fet- sad. Is it fetish? Yeah, it's that's not French at all. It's um, French for yeah. young. <laughs> which then comes from the Portuguese fetico, meaning spell, which derives from the Latin fetichius, which is artificial. It was also potentially used in offensive terms, such as witchcraft, witchery, conjuration, bewitchment. Yes, kind of sounds a bit like it has racist or colonial connotations. It does. Yeah. Makes me think of that Doris Day song, Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered. And I'm like, I wonder what fetish she was singing about. I'm assuming the hardcore BDSM scene. <laughs> I'm wild again, beguiled again, a simpering... So in 1887, a French psychologist called Alfred Binet wrote a paper discussing a spiritual love versus plastic love. So spiritual being intimate connections and love and romance and the physical person. Yes. Um, and the plastic being a, an object, basically. And right. he was the first to kind of talk about fetish in its sexual context. So this is where the meaning started to change. Started to change. Because yep. then, obviously, in 1927, Sigmund Freud published his essay. On- of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Sigmund. In which he re- actually related it to childhood trauma. And he's quoted as saying that the fetish is a substitute for the penis, for a particular and quite special penis that had been extremely important in early childhood, but had later been lost. (laughs) And then in the 1930s, Magnus Hirschfeld said that it was merely just an exaggerated form of normal sexual attraction. Yeah, it became a bit more normalised. And then if we jump to the 1950s, when Richie Cunningham and the gang from Happy Days were exploring sexuality, (laughs) Donald Wincock... Wincott? Freudian slip. (laughs) Donald... Donald Wincott, my apologies, <laughs> said fetish was an obsession only seen in infants brought into adulthood. So they flipped back again. So there's many, many so schools many of theories. thoughts. Yeah. So many theories. And there still kind of are. There's not one consensus. No. But a lot of them seem to relate to childhood. You? I just see myself as being an ordinary uh, suburban bloke. Come on. Hands on. You know, and try and maintain a healthy lifestyle. Need pulling into line. Smoking every day, have you? Yes, mistress. That's not good for your fitness, is it? There are over 500 different types of sexual fetishes. Yeah, and they all have really complicated names. So many different (laughs) names. My favourites, though, not in regards to me, just in regards to... Yeah, oh, okay, well... God. Maybe they'll be telling. <laughs> so there's one called um, Ortagonostophilia, which is a fetish for being on stage and in front of the camera. Well. <laughs> 
Shock, horror. <laughs> then there's also fornophilia, which is turning a human being into a piece of furniture. Yeah. That is a fetish. Yep. Then there's gerontoniophilia, which is a fetish for elderly people. Yes, I've heard of that one as well. Yes. And I don't know, would that also be included like younger guys like daddies or grandpas? No, I think it's like very no, like, old. We're talking like nursing home. Yeah. There's also like a fetish in regards to wet and messy, which is all about having a fetish for messy situations. But not sexually, just like just drama. Messy. Yep. <laughs> What are yours? My favourites. Your favourites, um, not yours, fetishes. Well, reading about fetishes, because I suppose I was quite naive about a lot of these. I think we um, both knew, were. Yeah. So, <laughs> I found the ones interesting where you're aroused to yourself, seeing yourself as something different. So, there is one where you're aroused by imagining yourself as an amputee, for example. Right. It's the same as when you're aroused by strangling yourself. So, that's like the auto. Uh, the auto. Didn't Michael Hutchins do that? I think that was rumoured, but... We never really know in those situations. It's often rumoured that it's autoerotic asphyxiation, but often it might just be that they've taken their own life. Um, right. And you can't yeah. always tell. So one of the other ones I liked, because it was very niche, was chasmophilia, which is arousal to caves, crevices, and valleys. Ah. I mean, I like I like valleys. Wait, <laughs> caves and crevices on yourself or like no, actual like a place? Ne- oh, okay, yep. right. Yeah. <laughs> on yourself? Well, you know. <laughs> There's xylophilia, which is arousal to wood. There is feederism, which is eating, feeding, and wanting someone to put on weight. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's lactophilia, which is a, I'm sure you can guess, a fetish to breast milk. <laughs> Which leads me into one of the most interesting ones, which is the paraphilic infantilism, which is about, I'm sure you've heard. The I'm collecti- sure I haven't, yes. <laughs> to be honest. Adult babies, so oh, which no. is self-identified. It's like quite a big community and they enjoy dressing and behaving like babies. So wearing nappies, drinking from a bottle, crawling on the floor, being spanked. And this fetish is actually usually classified as a masochistic fetish. Right. The appeal is the domination and the humiliation. But then also combined with fetishes like coprophilia, which is a sexual pleasure from urinating or defecating. Again, the lactophilia. And yeah, it's just like a whole bunch of fetishes in one. But they theorize with this one that it's developing from people that have suffered like childhood abuse. Um, And with women, they say it develops around age 12 and with men, 17. That one's quite interesting. And it is. And it's, that's I suppose like, if that's the reason why it's also quite sad. sad yeah. In the words of Peter Pan, I never want to grow up. Can I put it on the fridge? Hooray! I'm Some of the probably more basic fetishes that we both have heard of can literally be something as simple as clothing. It could be rubber or rubber items, footwear, body parts, leather, soft materials and fabrics. <laughs> linen. Cannot, linen. <laughs> Just a nice linen pant. Freshly um, washed. <laughs> <laughs> Freshly ironed sheets. Yeah, body fluids, as you said, body size, hair, muscles, mouth, nails, legs, navels, feet. But less popular is headwear, stethoscopes, and wristwear. 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 Oh. <laughs> Just a nice watch from Maya gets me going. <laughs> The poor neglected wristwear. (laughs) So we mentioned earlier that there were many theories about how fetishes are formed. Yes, we did. Mostly it's theorised that they're actually acquired rather than being biological. But the first theory we're going to go into actually references one of the body parts you just mentioned. Oh, which one is that, Lenny? It's feet. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) This is a really interesting theory and it totally makes sense. Once I was looking up a very basic article like, what are the erogenous zones on the 
body, there was like, I don't know, 15 or something. And so there's a lot I hadn't heard of. And one was this very specific part near your ankle where if you just softly rub it, it's actually very intense feeling. You've never done this. Above the ankle or below? It's like just this random unsexual part of your foot. Yeah. But it's a very strong feeling for most people. The reason for this is there was a study done by a neuroscientist in California He suggested or his findings showed that because the area of the brain that is in charge of the genitals, Mm. (laughs) in charge of, um, is really (laughs) responsible for, is really close to the part for the feet, there's like an overlap and that's why it's so, Ah, yeah. I think I saw a diagram of this and like the body's kind of in a circle (laughs) and the feet are right near the head. Yeah. It's weird. That's the reason for that one. Um, Ah. And he made the discovery while researching phantom limb syndrome. So he found that some foot amputees, their whole body image map had become like rewired and the missing limb had become like sexualized to them. So they started feeling sexual pleasure from this non-existent limb. And then when he researched a bit more, he found out why. Wow. So it's just possible for your brain just to get a bit confused. Wow. Is taking it I'm in. like Guys. absorbing this, <laughs> yeah. absorbing this. And also you would be the foot thing. Also trying to find a spot on my ankle right do now. It, yeah, do it when you get home. <laughs> well, now. I was trying to do I'll it. I'll do it but now I'm, and I just yeah. won't break eye contact with you. <laughs> Sexual fantasies likely develop during early experiences as this is when there is more synapse formation and neurogenesis in your brain. Sexual imprinting is the process in which we and other animals learn the characteristics of desirable mates at a young age, often influenced by those who raised us. So another theory is that sexual fetishes are the brain's attempt to work out trauma or woundedness or like a strong emotional experience from the past. So some children, for example, may have associated a sexual arousal with an object that belonged to an emotionally significant person, like a mother or older sister. Right. And that's actually known as a symbolic transformation. Also, it apparently can be uh, influenced by a rejection of the opposite sex. Right. um, Or like an early sexual experience that has changed you. I actually have a friend, won't name his name, but good 15 years ago or so, he was having a delightful time on a Saturday afternoon in his bedroom, jumped up from bed after um, slapping the snake around with Mrs. Palmer and her five sons. And slipped over on his bed and apparently landed on the bedpost. Where? (laughs) Well, he ended up sitting on the bed. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Post <laughs> landed oh. on it very awkwardly. Anyway, to get off the bed post, he had to sexually arouse himself and to relax, to relax and get off oh both God. sexually and physically. And nowadays, fifteen years later, he loves fisting. So I mean, he's a gay <laughs> two dots. man. 
Or straight man? Gay man. Okay, gay man. And loves okay. fisting. Interesting. Yep. And a few years ago... And he thinks it's that. A lot of us certainly think it is. We're like, what What exactly is that? Well, yep. I fell onto a bedpost okay. and it wasn't yep. a painful experience yep. for him. It, it was quite a... His grandmother now yep. owns that bed, which is kind of concerning. Oh, uh, my... <laughs> his poor grand. <laughs> Have I ever been fisted? When am I ever not being fisted? I so there have be- been a lot of studies done with poor little lab animals oh, to test no. out if they have fetishes and why people have fetishes. Ah. Um, so they do it through classical or Pavlovian conditioning. Pavlova. So, <laughs> no, ready. <laughs> They'll basically make the animal aroused or yep. wait till the animal's aroused and then present them with a Velcro jacket. Actually, oh, cute. I know, jacket. it's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> but they had problems with their sexual performance when they weren't wearing it. So they got so used to wearing the jacket and having sex while wearing it when they took the little jackets off them. It's like a little rat condom. They they couldn't enjoy sex. Um, Velcro. Velcro, yeah. How uncomfortable. I don't know. It's probably the sound and the the feel. I hate the sound and I hate the feel. Yeah, I know. It is a horrible (laughs) association to have. Well, there was also a study done at a zoo over in America with these two monkeys or baboons or chimps, whatever they are. We'll say chimps. Yep. (laughs) And they actually, it was in regards to the chimps being aroused by boots. Yep. One of them, they actually, so what they would do would they'd place this boot near the chimp and then they just study them over time. One of the chimps would stare at it, touch it, get aroused, masturbate and then consume his ejaculate. Classy. Classy monkey. Yep. Um, And then the other one would actually smell the boot, rub against it, but not get aroused. Yeah, well, you could say that that's possibly biological. Like, some people say that, you know, there's no way that these fetishes can be biological, but it does actually make sense, and there have been studies about that as well. There's also a theory that people with higher sex drives just kind of learn to fetishize things so they can express their sexuality when there's no one around, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually also noticed that in people that had a temporal lobe epilepsy, right. that they have developed new fetishes after a seizure or something. That's fascinating. Yeah, like you weren't born with it, but it happens. It's yep. developed yep. over time. Overall, though, it's seen that actually men are the majority who have fetishes. I'm not surprised, Brendy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and it was actually back in 2011 during a study that 30% of men actually reported fetish fantasies and 24.5% of those actually engaged in fetish acts. Those are high numbers. They are high numbers. <laughs> so it's really interesting the differences between gender or sex, but also between sexuality. So for mm. heterosexual men, their fetishistic desires for uh, feminine objects such as high heel shoes, lingerie, hosiery, mm-hmm. and um, homosexual men, their objects tended to be more masculine. Right. So like heightened masculinity. Nice double ended yep. dildo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are only into, say, Nikes. Some people are, are only into sort of skater kicks. And, and then the, the subgroups come out of that. The subcategories uh, would be swapping, crushing, where, you know, with the power of the sneaker, something's getting crushed underneath it. The worshipping side of it. Where somebody's being When it comes to actually diagnosing fetishes, it's really dependent on the actual fetish Mm. and if it's considered a disorder. Most fetishes aren't harmful to others, but some can cause distress and be disruptive to the individual. And it's actually seen through the World Health Organization that fantasies 
that are seen as a fetish are common and should only actually be treated as a disorder if it causes harm to the individual. Yeah, like if all they can think about is their fetish and they can't go, you know, about their day-to-day life or they've got sexual dysfunction and can't have sex with a partner with maybe potentially this fetish present because maybe it's not a practical fetish. Exactly, exactly. Valley fetish or something. I don't know. A a crevice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and some of the treatments actually include, you know, cognitive behaviour therapy, aversion therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Covert conditioning. And a number of groups have worked incredibly hard to abolish the stigma that is around fetishes. I mean, a lot of people say that the shame that you might receive even being subjected to a diagnosis or Mm -hmm. having it escalated to that exacerbates maybe the condition. Yeah. The stigma doesn't really exist as much in the LGBT plus community. Not really at all. If anything, it's kind of celebrated. celebrated. Well, yeah. And because we're word of the gay, I thought we should touch on a few LGBT plus and adjacent fetishes. Absolutely. The first one is what is referred to in the community as uh, chasers. So, they're straight men with an obsession with, these are going to be offensive words, she-males, ladyboys, chicks with dicks, basically trans women. But Ah, the problem doesn't lie in their attraction, but the fact that they see them more as just like a purely sexual object or Mm -hmm. not necessarily as a person. It's like an othering sort of situation where they see this person as different, but it's not really in a positive way. So another one, I wouldn't consider these people part of the community, but that's why I said adjacent, because they can be kind of confused for people who are in the LGBT plus community. Yes. So this one is autogenophilia or transvestic fetishism. It's not the same as someone who is gender fluid or gender non-binary or just expressing themselves by wearing clothing. It's like very specifically arousal to oneself in the form of a woman. So it's kind of- Old fashioned term, cross-dressing. Yeah, yeah, cross-dressing, exactly. But it's got this very erotic element behind it. I just went kind of really dark and just pictured what's his face (laughs) out of- Yes, I know. This is exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, such a progressive film. And then I looked it up, and people were like, "Oh my god, so transphobic and misogynistic." And I was like, "No, they say he's um, tucking himself in front of the mirror, and he's got his like legs." crossed over and he's like dirty, yeah. what, what is he saying like dirty girl or oh he's like I'd fuck me would, that's right yeah. I'd fuck me would you fuck, fuck me? me yeah <laughs> like but in, in the movie she's like transsexuals are usually non-violent he's not a real transsexual he's this this and that and it's like true he's a psycho and he's just making a fucking skin suit and pretending to be a oh. woman it's like this whole yeah but then I looked it up and people were like, this film's so transphobic. I was like, no, it's like actually it's like really great feminist for a Hollywood film anyway. So this person is very different from someone who has gender dysphoria mm-hmm. who would not obviously receive this transvestic fetishism category. Men that partake in this don't actually have a problem with their assigned sex. And the leather community is a good example of fetish for clothing and materials. Yep. And there's such a huge fetish subculture. There are so many events. There's you know, Easter in Berlin, International Mr. Leather and International Ms. Leather and you know, Rubber Pride events. It's really become a very commercialised fetish. Yeah, and it's very linked to the gay community as well, though. Hugely. Yeah. Outside of leather, though, there is other fetish fashions. Haute couture. <laughs> you've got latex, synthetic rubber. You've got plastic and nylon. Mm. You've got fetishes for stiletto heels and boots. You know, we've also got cat suits available, hobble skirts, <laughs> corsets. It's, Where can I get one? It's, <laughs> everything must go, Lee. <laughs> everything must go here at the store. We've got crotchless underwear, <laughs> garters, mini skirts, ring zippers, eyewear, and even some handcuffs. Oh, lovely. Um, so do come. Okay. <laughs> come and buy some stock. Okay, here's the situation. <clears throat> 
The keys to the cuffs are on the back of the door. Could you be a doll and grab them and scoot on over here and unlock me? Now, fetish has come up throughout the arts entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. In 2000, we have the Portuguese film called O Fantasma, which is all about a gay garbage collector who becomes obsessed with a straight biker and indulges in certain fetish behaviours. There's the 1996 film Crash, which tells the story of a group of people who, after being in an accident, they start to take pleasure from car crashes, which is actually a form of paraphilia, which is a condition categorised by an abnormal sexual desire Mm -hmm. involving extreme or dangerous activities. Intense. 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 (laughs) James Ballard has been seduced into a secret world. The car crash is a liberation. Then you've got the 2013 film Garentophilia, where a young man begins exploring his attraction to much older men, particularly in nursing homes. Yes. Mm. There's also a documentary about the life and death of a man who was a zoophile. The documentary is called Zoo. It came out in 2007, and he actually died after engaging in in um, anal sex with a horse. Delightful. Receptive anal there is sex. A, there is a porno with a, a female. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's illegal, everyone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny has done her research. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great escape. There is kind of a spiritual feeling because you're connecting with another intelligent being. And then there's the notorious Salo 120 Days of Sodom by Pierre Pasolini, which explores themes of political corruption, murder, abuse of power, sadism, perversion, sexuality, and fascism, and has all the filias. So much. So many. Wait, all 500? Yes. Good lord. <laughs> It has maybe like 30 or something. Every second is exploring something, yeah. Heavy. And in one of my favourite lesbian films, which is fairly recent, from 2014, it's called The Duke of Burgundy, and the whole film revolves around this kind of S&M relationship, but it's not really what you'd expect from, you know, like a lesbian fetish film. No Um, U-hauling? No. (laughs) It's not really about, you know, titillation or shocking you or arousing you. But definitely watch and see for yourself. It contains a scene with fornophilia, which is one you mentioned ah, earlier, the human, human furniture. furniture. Yeah. I actually think Beauty and the Beast was all about um, <laughs> human furniture, but <laughs> let's just not go there. Um, that was a fetish. You've also got American Crime Story, Versace. Yep, love which it. Which was all, you know, the true story about Versace's murder, which came out in 2018, which revolves around Andrew Cananan, whose murders involved specifically using rubber, latex and duct tape. And why those objects were used was because Andrew, would seduce and it was all about Mm. sexual consent and then he would then obviously yeah it's pretty horrific very brutal very brutal but the actual actor Darren Chris who portrays him um, won an Emmy for his portrayal yeah he was really fantastic he was incredibly creepy because I love him in Glee and I was like this is not Wayne (laughs) this is not a teenage dream (laughs) this world has wasted me and yet this world also made you Mr. Versace into a star you're not better than me. We're the same. The only difference is that you got lucky. The Assassination of Gianni Versace premieres Wednesday, January 17th on FX. Then you've also got my favourite current show, Master Sex. In season four, there's a character that comes and visits the two sexologists who has a particular shoe fetish, can't get aroused unless his wife is actually in the shoe. The reason they actually come to the clinic is because the wife goes into the closet and she finds like all of her shoes like filled with semen. Oh. Delightful. Moving oh. on. Secretions. And in the music world, there was the album by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts called Fetish. Yes, Selena Gomez had a song called Fetish. I'm not surprised. 
And that brings us to the conclusion of our fetish episode. Yeah. So please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show at, at Word of the Gay on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you know what? Write to our producer about what your favourite fetish is. True. He'd love yeah. to hear about it. Or your favourite word. Your favourite word. We'll do an episode about yep. it. We'll have a hoot. Tonight's been a hoot. <laughs> Lenny, as always, it's a pleasure. Pleasure too, Brandy. Dal, I can't wait till next week. <laughs> yep. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. 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 Reaching your lemon. So you're reaching your lemon. Go on over your lemon. But I know you can't quit it. Something about me. Got you hooked up my body. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.